재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Jennifer Chang is always on the move. She's traveling to fun and interesting places, but every now and then we manage to pin her down in the studio to give us some tips and advice about cool cultural stuff to do around the country. She's here once again. Hi, Jennifer. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. I should advise listeners that uh, we have put a whole bunch of images that you've curated and collected up on our Facebook page because we're doing a part two of Spring in Namhae in the deep south of Korea. I want to get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you the question of the week, if I may, Jennifer, the North-South Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be pretty amazing, at least uh, for the day that we're watching it. The question is um, whether it will achieve outcomes that will go forward. How are you feeling about it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, wh- whatever the outcome, there's a lot of excitement about the fact that it's even happening in mm-hmm. the first place. And then uh, for me to be here in Korea at the time that this is happening is pretty big as well. Yeah. And I feel like, um, yeah, different people want different things. But I think one of the things that I was hearing was that perhaps through this, that there will be more cultural interaction sure. that comes out of it. Yeah. And for me, that's kind of the point of interest. So I'm very curious if there will be more um, opportunities for, you know, music and the arts, um, communication through those kinds of mediums. I would be really curious to see if that can stir something else up. Because that touches everyone at the core. Absolutely. Never a bad thing. Mm. And it would be great to have uh, more and more North Koreans coming and seeing for themselves South Korea, South Koreans, and interacting with them in a cultural kind of social environment. Text us, pound 1013. We will be glad to hear and to read out some of your thoughts, listeners. Now let's uh, cross over into Namhae. You started, you gave us uh, sort of the lowdown on how beautiful Namhae is around this time of year and what kind of stuff, what kind of nature is on offer. Let's go a bit deeper into that. Yeah, so for listeners, you know, who didn't, quite here part one just a recap namhae is a county but it's also we're talking about the island of namhae in county of namhae and it's the southernmost coast it's at the southernmost coast of korea and it's between yosu and tongyang and now it used to be an island but in 1970 was it 70 or 73 there was a bridge laid down so you can basically drive straight to namhae so that's kind of like a, an advantage mm-hmm. and like i mentioned i love driving and there's a lot to see while you're driving down there so that's kind of what i recommend um other than that you could take a straight shot bus from seoul nambu terminal straight down to namhae bus terminal about a five-hour four and a half drive. Ish, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe if if you're on the bus, yeah, mm, four point five hours. Right. I like the bus. Uh, okay, so rural. This is the. I wouldn't say it's the middle of nowhere because it's developed, it's but it's not, rural. But it's still very rural. So even though it's Korea's fifth largest island, it's still very rural, and you know the the, the vibrant industries are basically just fishing and farming. So maybe I can throw out a question to you, Kurt. What's the most rural place that you've been to in Korea? Oh, wow. I've been to some really rural places. So rural, I I can barely remember. (laughs) But uh, we went down, you and I went down to that. What was the place with the uh, trout farm? That was, oh, that was. Oh, uh, that was Pyeongchang. That was the outskirts of Mm, Pyeongchang. That was one of the, that's right, townships. Gone to like teeny, what's what's the teeny island? I went down there to look at uh, some uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure. Very (laughs) off the coast. I call it sort of the scattered Parmesan cheese coast with all of the islands. Okay. Uh, One of these really, really teeny islands you could only get to by ferry. But one of the big phone companies is uh, doing advanced, you know, sort of fiber optic experiments to make it the most wired island. That's kind of what their their pitch is. Oh, that's really. I want to know what island that is. I'll look it up after. I can't remember right off the bat, but. 
Can I ask you then, at, at that whatever remote small island, what was something that you really noticed there? I don't know, just the panchan were unbelievably fishy. <laughs> I mean, really. Okay, Everything fine. down there, all the food down there is 10 times as fishy as you would get okay, fine. farther north. All right. Anything else? <laughs> Did you only eat? <laughs> uh, mainly. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a pervasive quiet. Uh, That's true. Distances are more spread apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are a little bit uh, chilled out more. Okay. Um, the, There's definitely not that sort of, I will step on your head to get wherever I need to go kind of of soul pedestrian traffic. Right. Okay. Well, I have also been to many uh, rural parts of Korea as well as many islands. And that's one of my favorite rural places to be. But one of the things that I really notice when I go down to those rural areas and islands is that you look at the population. It's over 60 for sure. Our age, of course. You'll have like a sprinkling of like little kids it's possible right. but you rarely see that's young right. people there that's right and that's what i'm getting to that is so beautiful and you've got this beautiful nature and all these things you can enjoy but then you've only got old people there and they're going to eventually die out yeah. and so that's what i'm getting to that most of the young people are leaving for the cities correct and yeah. we pretty much have this phenomenon happening basically all across the world people are going for the cities i think we have something like over 54% that are moving into the cities yeah and so that number is increasing So that means in these rural areas, the farming industries are going to suffer because the old people, you know, they only have so much strength. Yes, of course. Right. And then there's this lack of vibrancy in towns because the young people are not there. And the towns and villages, eventually, they just kind of dwindle away. There's no one to sustain. You read about this a lot in the media, schools disappearing, Mm, things like that, because, you know, and and the birth rate is uh, perhaps lowest in some of these uh, rural areas. And uh, you just don't need the local elementary school, you know? I know that that's what happens in Korea and the islands as well. And so then, then, of course, then there's the lack of urban development. Because older people, they also don't want change. So if there are, they happen to be some younger people who do happen to, let's say, come back to live in those places. They always face a lot of turf wars. The older people don't want change. Is that so? It is so. I've heard I've of that. I've talked to a lot is, of people. Mm. Ooh. Uh, so young, I've heard of this kind of trend. Yeah. Don't they call it kinong? That's right. Go back to the farm. Yeah. Go back to the rural area. Get, get out of the city. But I had no idea that the old people were um, sort of territorial and unwilling Definitely. to have Definitely. I've heard this number of times when I went to various islands. And I, I talked to some of the locals. And so these young people, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to settle there when there is nothing for them to do. So it's this vicious cycle. Hmm. And so, right, so we're now talking about this trend of quinong, like you said, returning to uh, farming, going to the farms, agriculture areas and returning to farming, as well as something called quichon. So quichon means returning to the rural areas or townships or villages that they were from. Young people, let's say they come to the cities to study, but they make a choice to go back to their hometowns and villages. That makes good sense. Um <laughs> I think uh, it's becoming less important over time as we go into the future, especially to be co-located in one sort of vertical tower. Uh, so much of work nowadays is distributed, especially if you're in uh, startup and tech and all that stuff, that you could. They could. Of course, the digital nomad is almost a cliche. You could use the power of being a digital nomad just to go back to your own little town and be with your family. That's right. So, yes, there is a trend of young people going back and starting something new. And you need young and creative people to kind of revitalize these rural areas. But it doesn't mean it comes without hardships. Mm. 
hardships, including the territorial wars you just exactly. mentioned. The old people are a bit cranky that you're there. <laughs> so young people come in, let's say, for example, I went to this island and there was kind of like a relatively younger couple around maybe like 40s, I would say. And they have little kids. They literally had to send their kids on a boat to a bigger island to school every day. Wow. It was so funny. But that's what they had to do. But, you know, they wanted to do something new and they wanted to bring in more tourism to these, you know, to this island. But then all the town people, townspeople, the older people, like they try to open up like a little cafe. They're just not into what they're doing. What are you doing? You come from the city. How long are you going to settle here? Why are you kind of like trying to change our way of doing things? Why are you ruffling things? You know, this is kind of what they face. This is a simple little town. Why are you coming in and shaking things up? Right. Isn't some of the idea of these young people going in Quinong uh, and setting up little cafes and stuff... To draw some visitors and some tourists? Absolutely. So yeah. from the young people, of course. But like I said, there, there are the older people who kind of are stuck in their ways and they don't see the need to do this. So there is that aspect of it. But, you know, I just want to talk about the value of cultural and creative industries. So uh, there was a study done uh, around 2015. Mm-hmm. So in 2005, the UNESCO, UNESCO had a conference in Paris about the cultural and creative industries and how to preserve and promote that. And out of that came this study in 2015. So there had never been a study really been done on um, the cultural and, cultural and creative industries. So, you know, one of the findings is that these creative industries contribute to strong a contribute strongly to youth employment as well as opportunities for women. It's a powerful tool for development. Um, it's also, it also, these cultural heritage activities and events are urban growth accelerators. They contribute to the economy, the creative economy. Fair enough. So cultural knowledge and consumption, it, you know, it becomes a means of enhancing social status. Mm-hmm. The more you know and the more you experience of culture, you consume these things and want these things. Okay, so that's fairly abstract. Let's bring it on back down to Namhe. How Let's is this uh, actualizing in Namhe? Right. So uh, while I was kind of looking into, you know, um, what Namhe has to offer, uh, there was a project called Tolchanko Project. Mm-hmm. And so Tolchanko, Tol means stone, yeah. and Chanko means warehouse or a storage facility. Okay. I just love this project. I just, I can't rave about it enough. Two guys, their partners, uh, Choi Seung-yong, who is a creative director, and Kim Young-ho is a ceramic artist. And these two guys got together, and um, I think one of them is from the region. They fell in love with Namhae, and what they did was they found, they discovered uh, these two, they, they discovered these stone warehouses that were built probably in the 60s. And what they did was they used to keep agricultural goods there. So farming there was difficult. And so those rice and whatever they farmed was very precious to them, very valuable goods, and they needed to store it. Stone warehouses. Is Mm -hmm. this something carved out of stone? No, built with stones. Okay, it's built Mm -hmm. out out of stones. stones. And so I think we're looking at some pictures Mm -hmm. now. You've put pictures up on our uh, Uh social media. So there's, ah, now I see it. it. There's a big box, which is basically made out of uh, square stones. Yeah, it's just a sturdy stone structure, but it it was meant to keep their valuables, their their, their rice and grains and whatever. And so um, they found that these were abandoned. They weren't really using them anymore. So they found a way to purchase them and 
they didn't tear it down, but they really kept the essence of those warehouses or storehouses. They're cool-looking structures. They're really cool. They've got sort of this like uh, Irish pub kind of look to Actually, them. Actually, that's true. You know? You're right. That's right. And so they're using these as cultural spaces. Hmm. So, uh, in other words, museums or what? Absolutely. So... Next door, they bought a house and turned it into a cafe. It's an art gallery. And like I said, uh, one of the buildings, they bought two buildings. One of the stone warehouses is mainly for the ceramic artist because he wants to teach ceramics to the locals Mm. and whoever wants to take classes. And there's a gallery there. They use it for exhibits. Are there a lot of these lying around rural Korea, these tolchang kind of structures? I don't know, but I guess I can find out. I really actually want to meet with these guys and kind of find out a little bit more about these projects because I, I really would, believe in them. I'd love to get my hands on one of these spaces, oh, yeah. you know, and with a, with a group of people and just oh, yeah. turn it into something. The, exactly. I mean, I wanted to do that. <laughs> so I was so inspired by what they're doing because this is basically rural Regeneration, not urban (laughs) regeneration, but they're really reviving the local economy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I mentioned, uh, they actually another thing that they do is they hold. They used to hold a flea market once a month, Mm. and so what they're doing is bringing together all the local artists and crafts people, so that they can come and sell their things here. Nam had never seen something like this before. They didn't even know what this flea market was. They only know these traditional markets where you can buy like. Uh, agricultural goods. Yeah. I mean, none of this is wildly avant-garde thinking, right? But it's just kind of putting it into practice. That's right. But it, it wasn't available there. Yeah, yeah. So what they're doing is seeing this vision and making it happen. And they're, they're building the cultural infrastructure down there, yeah. which I think is amazing. That's great. Give, uh, provide a marketplace for local craftspeople. Uh, maybe bring in some of the local agriculture the way you would in a typical agricultural market and put these structures to, uh, to good use. And of course, I imagine they're great for events and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this flea market idea, it's been going. So they've opened uh, in the summer of 2016. And uh, they've been going every month, you know. But uh, they're they're attracting visitors from now nearby areas like Chinju and mm. Samcheonpo, Kure, even Busan. People are coming. Sure. So I think that's amazing. Well, I would go. I would mm, go if definitely. there was something cool going on in one of these things. And so now, though, because of some issues with the facilities, they can't handle the capacity of the people that are coming. Mm. Parking issues and lots of things. So what they decided to do is these markets are still opening every second Saturday afternoon of the month. But they've relocated the market to a nearby place called Somi Jongwon. And I think that's also great because this Somi Jongwon is a European style garden. It's a private garden. And so the owner, um, he re kind of developed this terraced rice paddy field into this garden, European style garden. It's a very peaceful and tranquil place. And, um, he's planted more than 30 kinds of trees and 200 kinds of flowers. The PD is pulling up some oh, pictures. Yeah. It looks it's beautiful. Amazing. It looks like yeah, a little oasis, kind right. of Eden sort of uh, image. That's right. And so he's created this space and this garden. And now I love this collaboration. So, you know, like when you, when you start creative industries, people talk. Creative people start to kind of get, you know, in touch with one another in the same space in Namhae. So I think, you know, you connect, you understand the same things and appreciate the same things. So I think they started talking. And so now they've decided to move these monthly flea markets to this 
garden because it's much bigger space. It can accommodate more people. Mm. So now they've switched to this location to still hold the flea markets. Flea markets and um, you know places to exhibit uh, local crafts. Oh yeah, arts, and also like they've that. got indie music performances. Yeah. they're doing movie screenings. They're just doing so much. Yeah, it seems like a almost a platform to hold all kinds of uh, other cool cultural events. That's right. Have you been to this uh, space? Not to this one, but mm. I really want to go to this place, and I actually want to. I would love to talk to them about doing something together. It would be great to do some kind of mm. uh, event or whatnot. You know. That's right. Yeah. Huh. So that was my cultural talk today. I got really excited about that. <laughs> I, it is inherently kind of an exciting, uh, you know, when you see old spaces being or innovative spaces being used for cultural purposes, that kind of uh, gets me juiced up as well, like shipping containers. Mm. When shipping that's containers right. are put together in cool ways mm-hmm. and turned into cultural spaces, I think that's awesome as well. Yeah, and I think, the, you know, the thing about this space is that it was something, a place that meant something for the people of Namhe. It has history. Mm-hmm. And they're using that to, instead of holding agricultural produce or goods, they're producing cultural content. Mm-hmm. I love the imagery and the storytelling behind this. All right. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Have we got some other Namhe stuff to talk we about? We have a lot to talk about, so I'm going to try to speed through it. But mm. uh, last week I started talking about, you know, the weather. Yes, it rained, you know, yesterday and today is a little bit cloudy, but mm. it's on the up and up. It's getting better and it's time to walk. Okay, it's yeah. time to walk. What was it, Saturday? Did you go out Saturday? Saturday was glorious. I did go out for a bit, yes. I went yeah. to the nearby mountain uh, Ooh, for a little sunny, bit. Sunny, warm. That's right. Freeze that weather 365 days a year and I'm happy. Yeah, and so in Korea, this culture of walking, developing trails sure. and like walking paths, it's really big right now. And so in Namhe, there is this thing called the Namhe Parekil. Mm. And it's basically a coastal trail. There are about 10 trails that they've developed. Yeah. Uh, it's something like 128 kilometers, and it would take like over 40 hours to walk all of it. Uh-huh. They're still in the developing stage. I think there's 14 now. I wonder. So, and it's it's one interconnected round the island trail. A lot of it is connected. There are parts that aren't connected, but a lot of it is connected. Okay. So, a pare. Pare is a regional dialect. It's a word that describes the act of harvesting or gathering various kinds of seaweed or shellfish or sea creatures that live in the mud flats or attached to rocks. So, you know, back in the day, Namhe, you know, farming wasn't so good. They had to make their living or they would have to eat, sustain themselves from a lot of seafood. So the women would go out there and do this. So pare is this word that means the act of doing this, Mm. harvesting from the ocean or like from the rocks. Walking along Mm. and collecting Everything edible you could find That's from right. the ocean. So, you know, Korean women are, and mothers are known to be resourceful and resilient. Mm. And this was their work. They had to um, do this for the livelihood of their families. And so the, the paths that these women would walk, that is the parekil now. They redeveloped that path. Oh, okay. So those are the trails now that you will see, the walking trails. And, you know, it's great because you're, you're going to have both the mountain and ocean view, views as you walk. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've got, again, we've got some pictures here in the uh, studio just from uh, what's available online. And it's gorgeous. Um, it's like walk, coastal walk. How That's can right. you possibly beat that? That's right. And so the benefit is that, you know, you're going to see many of the island's attractions through these trails. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these uh, these images are also mm. on our Facebook. And if you would like information about these trails, then you can go to pareroad.or.kr. B-A-R-A-E, road. 
Got. It would be. You said it would take 40 hours roughly to, to walk all of them. More right? than that, yeah, 40 to 50 hours to complete all of the courses. I that wonder they if have. you can find like a minbak or something like that. Oh yes, and, you oh, know, there are walk a day, mm. walk a, a good stop. solid day, like six or seven hours. Stop, get food, sleep, and then repeat. Absolutely, you can do that. So each of the courses are somewhere between five to six hours. Some are a little bit shorter. Some are a little bit longer. You can break it up. There are lots of minbaks around. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, last week I t- talked about. Tarengi, Tarengi village, the the terrace rice paddy fields on the steep coastal slopes, mm-hmm. and so um, you can reach that at the end point of the first uh, course. Tarengi Chirekil is 16 kilometers long and it takes about five hours, and at the end you would reach these coastal slope terrace rice paddy fields. Great place to stay. Oh, I mean, it's an island. It's down south. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not far from uh, Busan in uh-huh. the gr- broad scope of things. Might one find a decent beach as oh, it gets yeah. truly warm? So I think most people know about Sangju Unmore Beach. Uh, but my favorite is like maybe 10 minutes away. It's called Seolli Hesuyokjang or Seolli Beach. And it's this place that's really quiet. Very quiet and away from the crowds. Uh, gentle waves, very safe beach for families. You can camp there. Mm. And if you're into kayaking, you can go there during the summertime. And there is a company that runs these kayak tours to a nearby uh, uninhabited island. That That's sounds fun. wonderful. So 15, 20 minutes of kayaking. You get there, you can do snorkeling. And, you know, the rental and the snorkeling gear and everything is only 35,000 won. So that's a fun day right there. Did you ever go kayaking? I did it once and I thought, I will never do it again. Really? I almost died in Hawaii. Really? I almost died. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't get too adventurous. I've read these books about guys who just go on these gigantic kayak trips. But, um, you know, it's it's a great way to get... Uh, short distances or just to calmly sort of circumnavigate islands, you mm-hmm. know, be a really uh, a fun, fun thing to do safely down in Namhe. That's right. I guess maybe if I can just mention maybe another small thing, you know, and if you're not into kayaking and if you're perhaps into sailing, mm. there is, I, I did not know, but Namhe is recognized as a center of water sports. I thought I, I heard that about Pusan, of course, and about uh, Yosu. So if you're into sailing, there's a sailing school there. And it's for both professionals who want to learn as well as for tourists. So they have programs where you can, affordable programs, where you can take like a daily sailing lesson for only 30,000 won a day. That sounds great. Water sports, walking trails, and cultural stone spots. That sounds really good. You've sold me on Namhe. You have Uh, to go. (laughs) I am definitely going to go as it warms up. Jennifer, another great on the move. Thank you very much for coming in. It was fun.